how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Alfred Goh and Miles Miller have been bringing martial arts into America's mainstream for nearly 20 years. Their ongoing list of screenplays include Lethal Weapon 4, Shanghai Noon, Spider-Man 2, Smallville, and now AMC's Into the Badlands. Starring Daniel Wu as Sonny, the new series Into the Badlands is the first American martial arts television series. The story follows a warrior who searches for enlightenment in a colorful yet dystopian future, where the sword is king and feudal barons rule the land. We got to speak with Alfred Goh and Miles Miller about keeping the martial arts authentic, why a fight scene is like jazz, and news of the third Shanghai Noon film, which will star Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Well, uh, this is Al. Uh, we, we actually started with martial arts before we moved into superheroes. Our, okay. our first two features were Lethal, Lethal Weapon 4 and Shanghai Noon, so we worked with sort of Jet Li and Jackie Chan. So we'd We'd, we'd started with that, uh, you know, a number of years, and then after Smallville transitioned into into superheroes. So it's something that we've it's it's a genre we've always loved, and um, you know, it's in in the back of our minds. We we've, we've always been looking for a way to to really do authentic martial arts on television, you know, in a way that hadn't been done before. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's obviously something that's not not easy to uh, to pull off um and because you need a full-time hong kong martial arts team to do it uh and and so that's you know when we came up with into the badlands when we went in to pitch it we set up front to to amc like if if you want to do this correctly this is how it needs to be done and to their credit they were all in and and very much wanted that authentic martial arts so they they committed to doing it uh, that way how much thought goes into making um, these series, as well as the, the Shanghai Noon films, um, fit both the Chinese and Western audiences? 
Um, this is Miles. Well, I think, you know, the, the most important factor is that the martial arts is authentic. And so we do that by ensuring we have the best people from China to choreograph and direct the action. And that's how we get, you know, a legitimacy for the show and for the action sequences that we shoot, which I think have a universal appeal. So we're not aiming to, to appeal to both. We're, we're aiming to appeal to both, but it's not exclusive. So we're not saying that uh, American audiences wouldn't respond to real martial arts the same way that an Asian audience would. It's, it's that when you see what authentic martial arts is, then I think all audiences can appreciate the difference between Western-style and Asian-style uh, action. And that's what—that's the difference for us—is this, this the seeking out of authenticity in, in the action and how it's shot and how it's directed. It must be difficult to make a martial arts show for television, um, especially for AMC, where there's so much character involved. How do you create those characters, um, specifically Sonny, who's kind of a, a cold-hearted killer, but who still turns out to be likable after the first season? Well, that you know, that was really the goal, which was you know, it's a it's a martial arts drama, so that the the drama component had to you know to be to be as good as the martial arts, and that was you know something that we you know worked very hard to do. Um, obviously, being fans of of AMC and and their shows, and the fact that they take those kind of risks, you know, that they would that they would take a swing at a show. Um, that that is both was you know was very important to us and and their you know willingness to to sort of let the story play out let the characters play out um, you know they they don't they don't impose a lot of restrictions on you or or things like the way frankly a traditional television network would you know so so that was something that you know the the way they're able to kind of you know tell stories combined with martial arts I think has also made it made it very unique. But it is odd, I always think it is odd that all the heroes in the show are mass killers. They've all they're all very dark <laughs> and have blood on their hands. It's very you know, every car- character is blood splattered. Uh and yet Sonny, who's killed the most, is probably the most heroic too. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a strange um juxtaposition and it's an AMC, you know, likes that element of complexity and um, confounding expectations for a character and, and a character's likability. So it's certainly for us, it it's, was on paper a huge risk to create a character that kills almost 500 people, but the network was brave enough to go with us in that, and audiences embraced it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you were lucky that we got, you know, a, a huge... Chinese movie star and Daniel Wu to play the role. So you have that cinematic charisma as well of your lead who people just respond to. And it's one of those, it's a star quality that he has that allows people to empathize with him, even though he is, you know, he's killed hundreds of people. What are some of the specific um, cinematic influences either went into the general series or just the character of Sonny? Well, the obvious, there are obvious character influences, which are the sort of spaghetti westerns, the Sergio Leone, Man with No Name, 
Um, so that's a huge influence on the show. But then there's also the the mashup of of Asian cinema. So the Kurosawa movies, the um, Samurai trilogy, Lone Wolf and Cub is also a huge influence. So that's sort of the story, the the iconic movies of Asian cinema and spaghetti westerns, but also in terms of visual style, it's very much owes a debt to, again, Kurosawa, but Wong Kar Wai, um, In the Mood for Love, the uh, House of Flying Daggers in terms of the saturated colors and making sure that the world's not uh, bleak, but is is a colorful, is a colorful world, um, even though it is incredibly violent and brutal, there's still uh, a celebration of color, which is sort of uh, goes against the norm of American or Western ideas of of the future, which are often bleak or desaturated. So we sort of went 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 away from that and went for an, a much more of an Asian tradition, which is much more uh, colorful and um, saturated. Mm-hmm. Did you guys grow up watching these films, or how did you kind of move into the martial arts genre? Well, uh, this is out. We it's something I, I remember on. Um, I had a friend who was actually very much into uh, into martial arts films, and it was something that you know when we were kids they they were on uh, on more like you you know this is how old I am that they were on like UHF channels on on Saturday afternoons, so you you would see a lot of those. So that's um, and then when we when we came to film school, Miles and I met a film school at USC. Um, we would go to, you know, they would have a lot of like Jackie Chan retrospectives and things, you know, and film festivals and things like that back in the back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we sort of indulged it that way as well. Yeah, I remember spending one New Year's so at the New Art Cinema in West LA. They had a Jackie Chan marathon that went for a week, and I saw, you know, like twenty of his movies in a week. So it was like it's just, but it's that said, it was not something that I certainly didn't grow up. Watching martial arts movies, I didn't grow up reading comic books either, or superheroes. It wasn't something I was into. So it's just what's good good for us is to approach it as storytellers rather than as fans. I think, and I think that's one of the reasons Smallville worked because we weren't slavish to you know thirty years of of Superman lore. We were just approached it from a character point of view, and I think that's what allowed it to to be fresh and to be resonate as emotional beings rather than just cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw an interview with Daniel Wu, um, who plays Sonny. He talks about one of the, the rain fights. took about six days to shoot. What does something like that look like on paper? Like how much detail goes into, do you actually write out the fights, or is that something that the choreographer kind of plans and there's a general analysis of what's supposed to happen? We, we actually, it, it's a combination. When you're working with a Hong Kong fight fight team, it is it is like working with like a, a jazz band. Um, but what we've always done, and we did this in 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 Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights and stuff, is we write out we will write out the fight sequences. So you know, we wrote out the rain fight, and because you, there's certain things of you need to know what all the story points are, you need to know where all the characters are. So so we it, it always had that structure. You know, it was a rain fight. It took place on the street. It was Sonny versus the widow's uh, clippers who came in. But then, then what happens within the in that fight? Uh, that's really what you know the Hong Kong team kind of brings to it because they'll read what's on the page. But then once they get into the environment, they get on the set. They they kind of start. This is where the jazz starts. Where I would say, which is they know the notes they have to hit 
you know, we mm-hmm. in terms of the storytelling. But then between that, you know, then they'll come up with 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 their kind of you know amazing things, which either some of it is riffing on what was written, other is just whole cloth, or they'll put something in like the widow's car was in there, and then suddenly they realize, oh, that should be kind of the focal point of the fight. That's the centerpiece. They're fighting around it. So so it's it it really is. You know, I, we as storytellers and as writers need to kind of give them the the arena and frankly give them all the all the big sort of story beats and things like that but then you then you have to let them you sort of have to build the box so to speak and then within that box they they can they sort of have free reign to do what they do and i think that's that's how it really happens you know so it it's but it's um and it's been a great collaboration you know um with with the with the hong kong with the hong kong fight team and i think we had the the great good fortune of having seen Jackie's team and how that worked so that we could, you know, help, frankly, explain it to the network. And then Daniel Wu and Stephen Fung, who, who are EPs and Stephen's the fight, the fight director, they obviously did it. So it's, so it's a combination of people who know what they're doing in, in Hong Kong um, combined, I think, with, with us who had had the experience of doing it and were able – so I think we were able to work well together because, I mean, we, we call it one degree of Jackie Chan because cause Daniel and Stephen, when they first started out, they were both signed by Jackie Chan, and he managed their careers for, for a number of years and, and put them in some of his early movies so or their early movies. So it was um, – everybody had sort of come out of the same uh, the same camp, so to speak. What elements outside of the fight scenes are vital um, for making a martial arts show or, or film? Like what should be there? What other ingredients should be there? Well, I think the key ingredient, which is true of any good drama, is characters that you root for and you care about. So you can you can have a fight with a bunch of people you don't know and are nameless, and it's it, you lose interest. But if actually are rooting for the people who are fighting and have a point of view about the characters who are fighting each other, then it suddenly takes on a whole new dimension. And the other element a fight needs is it has some needs a dramatic thrust. It needs a point. It needs a, to move the story forward. Something needs to happen that changes things for the characters. So it's always looking for it's not just a, you don't just stop the the story and the fight happens and you keep going. The fight has to change the events of the story. So it is a turning point. It's a structural element in the story, which is pivotal for where the characters go next. And I think mm-hmm. that you know people mistake them as just you know intervals, you know enjoyable intervals, and actually they need to be a, a progression of the story. So that's always the thing that we look for. That the stories, the, the fights are fundamental to story and to the story moving forward and complicating our characters' lives. Um, the series, in a way, lives in a world that doesn't really exist. How do you create this new world and then shape your locations? I believe you shot in New Orleans. How do you shape those settings to fit this new world you created? Uh, I, I think that's you know that is always the you know certainly the hardest thing when you're doing when you're doing any show that's not set in the present is um, is, is the world building, and that's something that that we take you know very seriously. And frankly, the devil is always in the details. But in this case. You know, what we didn't want to do is have a show, you know, set present day, because, you know, the usual trope would be, you know, the Hong Kong cop comes over and meets up with an American, and then somehow every time they got in the fight, guns got kicked out of people's hands, and then they fought. So it just, that didn't feel real. So we wanted to create, so it was a couple of things. We wanted to create a world 
um, with a certain social structure, and that that you know sort of it really kind of reflects feudal Japan, our world with the barons. But we didn't want to be tied to history, so we wanted to set it in America. So we so we set it in the future in a world with no guns, you know, sort of post-apocalyptic. But as, as Miles said before, with the with the colors and the saturation, so it didn't look like Mad Max or Book of Eli or something like that. That this that this world had had color and. You know, I think what New Orleans, certainly New Orleans gave us in season one was, was a very, you know, specific look, um, and it did have a lot of color, and we were able to take advantage of that. And in season two, we've moved the show to to Ireland to help expand the the scope of the of the world, um, and that has also, you know, has given us a lot of dramatic landscapes um, and and ways to really build out the world in the way you know season one we call sort of you know it's six episodes it's almost like a super pilot it's kind of like world glimpsing but you get a sense that there's bigger things out there to come and then we're able to, to deliver on that promise uh in season two um well you've mentioned uh some other your you know jackie chan movies shanghai noon shanghai night there's a rumor that you guys are working on possibly a third film um is there any truth to that is that something you guys are trying to shape up yeah, no, it's it's uh, there is a third one called Shanghai Dawn, and it's with Jackie and Owen, and it's going to start shooting in China um, early next year. So there will be a third one. Are there any other details you could share about that? No rumor. <laughs> no, that's not a rumor. No, it's, it's been announced. It's been announced. So <laughs> there's there's been official announcements. So yes. <laughs> Um, what's it like writing for Jackie Chan? I know he kind of tried to separate himself from, you know, Bruce Lee back in the seventies by adding that comedic element. And then he's always got certain things he wants to do. How do you kind of shake those into the film? Well, I think, I mean, Jackie's, you know, is an, is an, obviously he's an, you know, incredibly strong, you know, has an incredibly strong sort of persona and movie star. And I think, you know, what's interesting in the, in the, in the Shanghai noon movies, is he while there is comedy in many ways he plays the straight man and he's almost the emotional he's more the emotional core of the movies you know and Owen obviously has more of the more of the verbal humor um and i think as jackie's gotten older he frankly his dramatic chops have gotten much better you know if you look at his you know even something like you know the the karate kid uh re- reboot in right. 2010 i mean that was a very dramatic role for him so i think i think he's you know he's also in his career you know, it used to be just about like crazy stunts and all the outtakes were like, oh, my God, look how many bones he broke and things like that. So, you know, and I, and I think he's while he still does that, you know, he's definitely, you know, he's not a young man anymore, though he's, though he's in better shape than any of us are. Um, so I think I think with him, it's, you know, when when we go in and sort of pitch the movies, we, we have the he's he's actually really good because you pitch him the story. And you know, here's the arcs, and here's where, where the characters are going. And then he will he he always has sort of really good ideas about sort of emotional things that he wants to play. And then he will also, um, you know, he's very good at, at giving ideas for the fight sequences, like things he he thinks would be cool. You know what I mean? And and sort of. Um, you know things that haven't he hasn't done before, and things that haven't been seen. You know, because this this film's the the third film set in China, and I think he very much wants to showcase 
China as well, you know, in the way that the first film showcased the American West. You know, so I think I think he's, you know, so he'll always have, you know, really good ideas about, you know, places where fights should be set and 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 things like that. So, you know, it's you know, I think I think with with those films, the 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 collaboration. I mean, Jackie and Owen actually get along really well, and I think that always comes through on screen. So, um, you know, you always like to, at the story stage, sort of have their ideas and get their input, so that when we go to script, you know, it's it's uh it it's more it's kind of baked into into the DNA of the story. Mm-hmm. You guys kind of use some, I guess you maybe call it historical fiction with some of those films as well, with, you know, adding Sherlock Holmes persona type thing and then Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> how, how do you guys kind right. of, you also did that a little bit with the history and into the Badlands. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a replica, as you said, it is in the future, but how do you guys choose when to add history and, and those kind of elements into your, in your work? It probably depends on the story, but it, it gives it it gives it a one. It's a fun wink. The audiences really enjoy it, um, and it's fun for us to write in terms of thinking about the just the, the timeline of the story and where our characters fit into the into the world of their of their their own present, um, and how it relates to you know people that still resonate with an audience today. Um, so it's for us. It's something we we enjoy doing. But uh, I don't think it's anything significant. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a, they're fun winks. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I just got one or two more for you guys. Is there anything else that we didn't cover about Into the Badlands you guys would like to talk about? Well, I think the thing that no, that 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 Into the Badlands it is it's just the uniqueness of the opportunity in terms of of. The fact that we have a full-time Chinese fight fight unit who is able to create, you know, action sequence which is which are sometimes five minutes long is sort of unprecedented in in you know American television. So it's just the fact that we get to do it every week is sort of always, you know, you sort of sit back and think it's kind of miraculous that we can do that. We're allowed to do this because it's just, you know. Outside our office, is they've built a huge set and they've been filming, a, you know, this incredible, you know, wire foo action sequences for the last seven days, and you just see this sort of insanity unfolding before your eyes, and it's it's that's what is the fun part that a lot of you know television writing becomes it's about procedurals or it's about a you know you're in a hospital or you're in a a, a cop environment look is solving a case week to week, and this is just so you know we have an uncharted map that we can just follow any route we want. And we have such a great, I mean, it's sometimes insane uh, <laughs> level of production. And it is, it is like a three-dimensional chess in terms of working out how to get Daniel from the, the fight unit to the drama unit to the splinter unit and just manage it all. It's sort of a, it's an incredibly difficult production to manage. Um mm-hmm. And sometimes we take risks in terms of, you know, as you said, it's the world building of it all. You know, we, we, we're always challenging ourselves to do something different. And hopefully nine out of ten times we succeed and occasionally you don't. You're going to have like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. But it was it was, it was was a bold choice at the time. Then you look at it and say, oh, my, you know, that was a mistake. But you, for us, it's always having to be – it's always challenging ourselves to be bold and not playing safe. And I think – that's the most important thing for us about the show is that we have a network who doesn't want to play safe 
a series that doesn't want to play, play safe. And for us as writers, it allows us not to play safe. So I think it's a rare freedom for writers to get the chance. So it's, I think for us, it's just a really unique opportunity. Um, we've had you know, a lot of luck in our career and a lot of success, but this is like, feels very unique and, uh, and rare. So it's sort of that, that moment to, to look at it and hopefully, you know, it's just, we want it to, to, to go on and to audiences to embrace it like they did the first season. And I think, you know, we'll see, but it's not for lack of trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for your time today. I've got one more, just kind of a fan question that I grew up with uh, Jackie Chan as well and, and college roommates and that kind of thing. And we used to watch Shanghai Noon all the time, honestly. And how did the, uh, just the one, the the Chinese drinking game scene come about. Are those real drinking games that they're playing, that ridiculous scene in the first one? <laughs> that Yeah, that was actually, um, we you know, that was actually a drinking game that Jackie and his fight team play. <laughs> and then he, he taught it, he taught it to, Owen and we had a scene where they were in in the script they were in the bathtubs and then he then he then we wanted them to get progressively drunker and then Jackie had this they this drinking game that they played so that that is that is a a a legitimate Chinese drinking game Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Kerry Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.